0: Has anybody had one of those weeks before? (laughs) Just, I had one today. Uh, Two good things happened this morning. My wife made a banana pudding and I got a bite. And then she kissed me before I left for church. But I have had a day. Why is he sitting on a stool? Well, Mr. Athletic played ball in school and at college and softball forever, twisted and Stepped in a hole off the sidewalk this morning, and so my left knee is killing me. And I went, thank you, Lord. I got to stand for 25, 30 minutes. And then when I got to church, we had staff prayer. We gathered and walking down the hall, and I came walking in here. And how many know there's one, two, three, four? There's eight steps. It helps if you hit them all. I missed the first one. Thank God for that handrail. So so y'all just bear with me today. A um, couple of things before we get started. One, um, I was so mad at my pastor when he sent our sermon schedule out at the beginning of the year. Not because I'm on it, but I got looking and we're gonna fight our battles. Oh man, this is gonna be great. Maybe I'll get prayer. Maybe I'll get worship. Maybe I, oh, you're gonna speak during seasons. Oh, okay, well that'd be Ronnie, time to mourn and a time to dance. Can I be, uh, I'm going to be, but can I be honest with you guys? Listen, I prayed, this is about six, seven weeks after we find out about Pastor Margaret's diagnosis. And it was pretty severe when we found out in November. And I prayed with all my heart because I know we serve a sovereign. You are holy. You are mighty. We serve a mighty and awesome God. And I know that he could have raised her up in this life. I know he could have. And that was my prayer. But my other prayer was, don't be selfish and pray for God's will. And what Margaret's prayer was, And as we go through the year, and she has good days and bad and good weeks and bad, and she was able to start coming back to some services and to some staff meetings, I had a hope. Yes, God, you're going to do this. This is going to be a powerful testimony of your healing in her life. Man, what a testimony in this house this is going to be. And then she takes a turn, and we're in Jamaica on a missions trip. And she started her treatment on that Tuesday and she had to go back to the Sarah Cannon Center. And we got an email that Thursday and we're sitting around Pastor Evelyn's dinner table in Jamaica. And it just shook me. Because, oh my God, I don't think you're going to. I think you've got other plans for my sister. And I began to bargain with God, please don't let her die before I preach. Please don't let her pass before I have to preach about mourning in advance. I can't handle that, God. But I don't have to handle it. He handles it. I looked at Renee and I said, why does this have to be my thing? And she looked at me with... Tears in her eyes and said, Because God knew you needed to be the one. So, for those that have prayed for me for this week, thank you. I wanted to talk about my manicure and pedicure yesterday, but that's probably not appropriate this time. That's a story for the tent, so find me if you want to laugh for a little bit. Before we get to the passage, this is, it says the instructor, she later became a professor. This is Miss Kathleen Schreiner. Um, Single lady, she was the speech lab and speech professor at Southeastern Bible College when I was there in the 80s. I had her my freshman year. Just a powerful, vibrant woman of God. And um, four years after I left Southeastern, she developed cancer and passed away. And I remember many times staying after class in the lab with, I was allowed to call her Miss Kathleen. And she encouraged me in the faith in so many ways. But she talked to a bunch of us young wannabe pastors and Bible students and said, there's three things that a good communicator needs to be. They need to be clear. They need to be concise. They need to be engaging. And then she proceeded to tell us that most audiences, if you want to be pastors, congregations and audiences tend to start losing their interest after about 20 minutes. So she said, you better be concise and engaging because at the 20 minute mark they're going to start thinking about whatever is left to do so hopefully we can get this done in about 20 minutes so the clock is running um I wanted to talk to you today here's our scripture and if we can stand and just read the word of God this morning and I guess I could have put a size 30 font instead of a 26 so that we could have all read it but Let me put my glasses. I don't know if that's going to help me either. For everything, there is a season and a time for every, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Father, we just come to you this morning. We ask you for clarity in your word. Lord, I pray for us as a collective body. Lord, the things that we are going through individually and corporately. God, that you will speak to us this morning through your word. And Lord, I pray for our pastor this morning as he's filling a pulpit in the Gallatin area. Would y'all just reach your hand that direction? Father, we just ask that you would anoint our brother today, God infuse him with the joy of the Lord, with the anointing of God as he brings a word to that body that it will bring fruit that will remain for them. And Lord, we look forward to him back in this pulpit next week. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we're looking at this passage and this week we have the joy of looking at a time to mourn and a time to dance. Mourning is referenced 48 times in the Bible, 44 in the Old Testament and 4 in the New Testament. And mourning is something that we in the Western society are not very familiar with in the truest sense of mourning. We, we associate grieving and, and the, the, the things that go along with a funeral procession typically as mourning, but mourning is an outward expression of inward grieving or inward loss of a, of a person, a loved one, of a situation, of a tragedy, traumatic experience in our life. Mourning is an outward expression. Now, the Eastern cultures are much more elaborate in their mourning, and we see that in the Old Testament. May I take this off my ear? It is, because that's annoying if I'm not using it. Um, but some of the things that I wanted to share with you today, three things in particular about mourning, is that first of all, mourning is biblical. A couple of passages I'd like to share with you. This one in particular says, when they came to the threshing floor of a Tod, or a tod which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and grievous lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father 70 days. This is talking about Jacob's passing and Joseph at the end of Genesis. And so he's mourning over the loss of his father, his father's passing. Another passage is interesting because it's in Jeremiah when the people are uh, being prophesied to that they're about to go into captivity. And so the prophet's prophesying. He tells them, Oh, daughter of my people, he's talking to the people of Zion, put on sackcloth, roll in ashes, and make mourning as for an only son. And then we have the passage from James in the New Testament where James is addressing believers who have fallen back into carnal mindsets and carnal behaviors. And so they're departing from the things that they knew. And he says, he tells them to be wretched and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy for gloom. Mourning is a biblical principle. Mourning is a healthy part of our life. It's a part of a cycle of life. There's mourning and there's grieving. There's joy and there's laughter. And it, it, it comes in cycles in our lifetime. And we do well to express those things. When we do not allow grieving and mourning to run a healthy, keyword healthy course in our life, we set ourselves up for some dangerous situations physically, spiritually, and emotionally. A second thing that came to my attention about mourning is that mourning is unique. How many understand that there are no two of us alike, Right? We have unique fingerprints. We have unique DNA. I've heard, I don't know if this is scientific fact, so where's Rhonda Fraser? I've heard that there are no two snowflakes alike or ever alike. There are over 8 billion people on this planet. We are all unique. Mourning is unique for each individual. In the Old Testament, when Jacob's confronted by the brothers and they've brought Joseph's rode back to him and they make up this lie that he was devoured by an evil beast. Don't know what it is. My text just says an evil beast. And I'm thinking, what beast is evil? But it says, then Jacob tore his garments and he put on sackcloth on his loins and he moored his son for many days. Just a few short years and a few chapters later, we referenced it earlier. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and he kissed him. And because of Joseph's status in Egypt where God had elevated him, the whole nation wept for Jacob for 70 days. And Then the last one, Moses has died. He's led the people to deliverance, not yet to the promised land, but Moses dies. And it says the people of Israel wept, some translations say mourned, for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. Notice there's a variety of styles. There's rending of garment, there's sackcloth and ashes, there's weeping, there's falling on the, the body and weeping. I've, I've been to some uh, African-American ceremonies and I've been to some Caucasian ceremonies where you've seen loved ones just so distraught with grief that they wail and, and, and mourn over the body outwardly expressing the internal grief. Like I said, we don't see that a lot in Western culture, but you see these things happening still today in the Eastern cultures of mourning being that outward expression of an inward grieving process. You know, you ever been in a, a place where you just didn't know what to say? What to it just hurt so bad. And all you could do is just yell or cry to let it out because there were no words. You know, one of my favorite movies, Forrest Gump. When little Forrest and Jenny are sitting there in front of that house where she had experienced so much trauma and she just begins to throw rocks. And Forrest Lyon says, sometimes there's just not enough rocks. You ever been there? You ever just been in a situation, whether it's a death of someone or a loss of a job? A relationship that's going sour, a marriage that struggled, whatever it may be, and there's just not enough rocks. But mourning is unique, and we all express it in a, a diversity of ways. So we should never criticize or condemn or can or, or can contradict somebody's way of mourning. It's personal. It's unique to that person. We need to be a We need to allow enough grace to allow people to mourn and grieve the way that they need to to work that out in their life. The most important thing that I've learned about mourning in the last few weeks is that it is temporary. It is not designed to be eternal. Mourning is a temporary stage in our life. It is healthy. We need to express it. We need to get it out of our system to work it out through tears, through sorrow, through groanings, through whatever measure that needs to come through our lives. But we need to remember that mourning is a temporary status in our life. This passage says from the psalmist, we believe it's David, at the dedication of the house of David, it says, Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord. Be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth. And my eyes are bad, so you help me. Clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be in silence. Is that This is from Esther when they were being delivered from King Ahasuerus and the, the evils that Haman had planned for them. And, and Esther goes before the king and they get deliverance. And at the end of the book, he says, "As the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies. And as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow to gladness and from mourning into holiday, That word means celebration. It had turned from mourning into a time of celebration that they should make them days of feasting and gladness. Celebration can come again. I know it's tough when you're looking at a casket. I know it's tough when you're in a mortuary. I know it's tough in those days and weeks that follow. But celebration can come again. Joy can come again, happiness can come again. I don't think that it's ironic that in this situation that we find ourselves in a body. I thought I was over all this. There's times I walk down that hallway. And I expect to see that smile come around the door. Rhonda shared it so eloquently at her memorial just to hear her say, Hey, your name. There will be times that you'll think this is past, and you'll still shed a tear. There'll still be a momentary pause of sorrow in your heart. But there is joy and celebration and gladness because we do not grieve as those with no hope. We we do not sorrow as those without a future. We know where our sister is. And you know where loved ones that you have lost are if they are in Christ. And we have the joy and the hope that we know we can see them again. Listen, Today we're having a a picnic where we can come together as family and celebrate and feast together with gladness. That's not a coincidence that this just happened to be within weeks of our sister's home going. There is a healing that's going to take place today out under those tents for some of us as we break bread and commune with one another. This is my favorite passage about to come up about it being temporary. David falls into sin with Bathsheba. Nathan calls him on it. She's pregnant. Nathan calls him on the child and said, This child's not going to live. David immediately goes into intercession and mourning. He stops eating. He lays prostrate on the floor and on the ground. For seven days, he's before God in mourning, in intercession. The passage says, but when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Then David arose from the earth, and he washed and anointed himself, and he changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. It's not ironic that we spent the first half of the year talking about how to fight our battle. The greatest tool that we have to overcome mourning is worship. Worship together. There is a healing that takes place. Listen, worshiping in the car, listening on the truck, worshiping around the house, one-on-one with God, that's dynamic. But when we come together as family. When we come together and we lift a voice of worship, there is healing that takes place and sorrow turns into gladness. Mourning turns into joy. Listen, it said David arose and he washed and anointed himself and he changed his clothes. Some of us have been wearing death clothes for a long time. Whether it's the death of a marriage or a relationship, a loss of a job, or a loved one. We have have been wearing our grave clothes far too long, and it's time to get up. It's time to wash with our tears, and it's time to put on some new clothes. It's time to change, and let's worship together in the house of the Lord and go forward in Christ. Said earlier, grieving and mourning is natural. It's a healthy part of life. When we, you on your bulletin, I believe there's a, a funeral memorial on the back of your bulletin. It has grief on it. There's a difference between grief and grieving. Grieving is God ordained and healthy. But grief is when you allow that to carry on too long in your life and you begin to carry what's meant to be given to the Lord. Peter says to cast your care on him because he cares for you. There is a time and a place, there is a season for grieving and mourning in our lives. And it's unique. It's independent on each person. Yours yours may be 70 or 30 days or a few days, just like the passages earlier in the Scripture. It may be months into a year. It's independent and unique to you. But there will come a time where you have to let that thing go. And you carry it no more. And you lay it at the feet of Jesus because he cares for you. The trouble is we start letting our life revolve around it. And the things in our life become confused and out of order and we allow it to turn into grief and regret. We start to wonder what if, did I, could I I have? And those things begin to eat us up emotionally. They destroy our mental capacity they also destroy us physically. Ulcers, sickness, psychological issues can come in when we carry grief beyond the point of grieving and we allow regret to go unrelented in our life. Like I said, there's a lot of things that we find ourselves grieving. Grieving. just like those words came and went, we think that those moments in our life have passed, but sometimes they're just below the surface. We think that it's taken care of. We think we're past that. We think it's over. It may be months or years down the road, and we think, I'm over that. But a word, a song, a look from somebody brings it all right back up because we truly haven't let it go. I want to encourage you this morning. with the praise and worship team come on? Those that are going to serve communion, if you'll come forward. There have been moments in the last five weeks of sermons from Justin to Kevin to Barbie that have just nailed me, phrases and parts of stories have just riveted me in my spirit because I thought that things were taken care of in areas in my life. And the Lord would use those words in those moments and services to scratch that area of my heart and brush it open and reveal things to me. I want you to know that Friday, when I brought the grill to the church, I came in and literally touched every chair in this room. Some of you, I knew where you sit. And I might have prayed a little longer for your chair because I know some circumstances. I know some situations some of you I don't I don't know well at all I've not had the pleasure of meeting you and and knowing you but I literally touched every chair in this room and I asked the Holy Spirit for release today I don't know what your Circumstance, yes. But the joy and the fullness of God can never really come until we let that thing go and let it die and not pick it up again like some suitcase at the door. I gotta be honest with you. I've struggled with Margaret going home. I'm not a son like Kevin, and I'm not a close companion, and I'm not a son in love or daughter like the children. I'm not a husband like Ronnie. That woman impacted my life for 20 years here. The first thing we got to do in this church when we came from a broken place of losing a pastor in a tragic car accident, we were here six weeks and we couldn't stand it. And I went to Ronnie and I said, We can't sit. We've got to do something. Can we serve somewhere without missing a beat? He said, Margaret needs a three and four year old Sunday school teacher. And we said, We'll do it. We did it for two years. And then I served for four years, which was supposed to be six months, as a fourth and fifth grade Sunday school class teacher. And I helped her for a little bit in Cool Church. These last two and a half weeks, God has just been giving me glimpses of how many times this precious woman of God has spoken into my life that I really didn't realize. And my heart is heavy. But I know because God is faithful that this morning will turn to gladness. There will be a time to dance again. There'll be a time when I can say your name and a smile is the first thing on my face. Some of you have marriages that in the past that were difficult and you still grieve. Some of you have lost jobs or position and you felt undermined and usurped. And why God? And you've carried that. Some of you have estranged relationships with family children who are now grown, parents who are older, maybe even deceased from this life. Some of us have dreams from childhood that seem vanquished and destroyed, crushed, and we've carried grief over them. Can I challenge you this morning as a body? If you're willing, If you have the paper, and even if you don't, when you come for communion this morning, if you have the paper, will you bring it? Just as a symbol, just leave it here. Just drop it, leave it. And as you take the elements and you go back to your seat, just make a profession to yourself. Today's the day I let it go. Today's the day I bury that grief. And Lord, I'm now looking for joy to come in the morning. Today is the day that I look for dancing to be restored to my spirit, God. And allow Him to turn your sorrow into gladness this morning. Because that's what I'm choosing to do today. It's a choice. It's supposed to be temporary, but we make the choice whether we carry it too far.